Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and plants that are important to you. Do you like it when a group of people watches you open presents? I mean, it's one thing to open presents on a holiday with a group of people who are also opening presents, and I imagine most people don't find it that awkward to open presents during a gift swap or Yankee swap or white elephant swap, as these organized events are sometimes referred to. But look, maybe I'm wrong. But an adult opening gifts for a birthday celebration or some kind of life goal-oriented celebration in front of a bunch of other adults who aren't opening gifts, that strikes me as odd and uncomfortable for the person unwrapping the gifts. Do you agree? It's a weird tradition, right? Now, on the other hand, ordering a gift for yourself through the mail and having it brought to your home, maybe by a handsome UPS worker or a, a pretty Amazon person or maybe, maybe your favorite mail carrier and then opening that gift you purchased for yourself in the privacy of your own home, there's nothing better. Nobody's ooing and eyeing. Nobody's breathing down your neck. Nobody's asking you to hand it to them. Nobody's shouting something embarrassing like, now you have two of those. You, you know what I mean? Now, all of this is to say that it's nice to do something nice for yourself once in a while. And if you're like me and you love to read, there's nothing better than getting a book for yourself. Look, there are no ads on this podcast and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of People Are the Enemy listeners is if you love this show and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily and get yourself or the reader in your life some quality fiction, the best way to do that is by buying any or all of my books. I'm the author of 10 self-published novels that are all currently available worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find and purchase all of my titles in ebook format at Google Play. Just search my last name, which is spelled M-A-S-C-O-L-A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. People are the enemy listeners. This is episode 295 of the greatest ding dang podcast you ever laid your ears on. Now, my name is Andy Mascola. Welcome to the show. It's good to have you along. If you're listening for the first time, holy moly, thank you so much. You are now rocking with the best. That's right. Get into it now. All right. Come on, Jackson 5. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Those pretty faces always make me stand out in a crowd. And someone you from the bunch when your love was all it took. I'm grooving. Now it's much too late for me. Take a second look. I'm moving. Oh, baby, baby. Come on. Get into it. We're gonna have some fun today. Feel it, baby. Come on. I don't want to turn it down, guys. I'm digging it. 
gotta turn it down though. I gotta gotta go. I gotta gotta go. I gotta gotta. <laughs> I gotta 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 go. I'm sorry. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. That was I want you back by the Jackson Five. For those who don't know. Uh, wonderful stuff. Holy moly, what a song. I was thinking of starting this show with uh, ABC One Two Three. But there's very little to talk over on that uh, on that song. It may have been a while since you've heard it, but uh, I want you back. It's got a nice nice little padding before uh, before the vocals kick in. You can have some fun. How are you guys doing out there? Speaking of having fun, it's late, man. It's coming up on 9 p.m. here. I never record the show this late. I had the uh, window open. I thought, oh, it'd be some nice ambiance. The crickets are chirping away out there. That might be kind of nice to have in the background. No, some knuckleheads were shooting off fireworks. I had to shut the <laughs> I had to shut the window. I'm like, man, it's August. Do you guys still have fireworks? I don't have any fire. I'm dang, I can't remember the last time I set off a firework. I remember as a kid, though. I, I used to live near the beach in Massachusetts. When I grew up, I was right on the ocean. And, uh, yeah... The morning after the 4th of July, there would be fireworks everywhere on the ground. Some unlit, which was exciting for a, a, an elementary school student with a pack of matches. <laughs> Meaning me. And it'd be super early in the morning. And of course, uh, everybody else was sleeping from their, uh, you know, their night of revelry the night prior. And uh, I'd be out there uh, almost blowing my fingers off and uh, losing my hearing. Firecracker by firecracker. Not recommended. <laughs> it was dangerous, to be honest with you. Because there was, you know, they'd have these packs of fireworks. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, a... I don't even know if they're still packaged this way, but they'd be... They'd come in like a brick. It literally looked like a red brick. And what it was was these all these fireworks that were kind of um, stitched together by the fuses. So that you could literally kind of rip a, rip a hole in the side of one of the packs from the brick. You'd rip off like one of the packs from the brick and it'd be like, you know, it was about the size of a, a pack of a pack of baseball cards, you know. And uh, you'd rip, a, rip a, a little hole in the side of it and you'd pull out the fuse and they were all kind of stuck together. And then you'd just light them and the whole pack would explode. You know what I mean? And that's how you get that uh, kind of machine gun effect that you hear often. On the or on the Fourth of July, at least, if not often, often now, weirdly enough, like I said, somebody's doing something out there. Somebody found some fireworks that were unexploded. But yeah, the danger was that I'd find fireworks just like the onesie twosies, you know. And these suckers were the ones that didn't go off when when you know somebody detonated a whole pack, so they'd there'd just be a little tiny fuse, which means I had like no time to like light it and then throw it. You know what I mean? So like I'd put them, <laughs> I'd put them on the side of like a, uh, uh, um, like a picnic table. They had these metal picnic tables at the beach, you know. And I'd light it, and I'd be, I'd be so close to it, the thing would go off, and my ears would ring. Oh my god, dangerous! I'm lucky, like I said, I'm lucky I didn't blow my fingers off. But speaking of other stuff you see on the street, I saw something weird on the street this week. I was driving down the street, broad daylight, man. I looked over, and at first it didn't strike me as odd, but then I'm like, what the hell is going on? There's like a man, it's like a man, like a full-grown man, standing on a corner, 
next to, I think it was a, it was either like a, a light post or maybe it was a, uh, maybe it was a telephone pole, but it was just on this corner and a bike where a bike was chained to it. And the dude, the dude out there was out there with a hacksaw in broad daylight, like sawing through the bike chain. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, man sawing through a bike, man sawing through a bike chain. What the hell's going? What the hell's going on? He's gonna gonna steal that bike. The only thing that I thought maybe maybe the reason was this was like a bike that had been there for a few days. It was in front of a pizza, a pizzeria. So I thought maybe it was the owner of the pizza shop, who just said, you know what, enough of this bike. Nobody's doing anything about it. Nobody's claimed it. It's been out here for two weeks. I'm gonna saw this chain off and get rid of it. Maybe I don't know. Nobody was giving this this full grown man a hard time about trying to free this. This, uh, this bike from this chain in broad daylight with a hacksaw. <laughs> what the heck, man? Oh, man. The other thing I saw, and this is while walking the dog, I saw, like, uh, somebody threw out, like, a whole bag of Wendy's on the street. Like, I, I, how does this happen? Again, I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, maybe somebody... It's not like there was a Wendy's there, though. Like, because I thought, like, maybe somebody left it on top of their car. You know, it just looked like somebody just like threw it. And of course, my dog is like psyched, you know, this French fries all over the street. You know, somebody's beverage spilled out. You know, there's hamburger buns. What is going on? You know, seems like a waste of food to me. It was cleaned up like the next day or, you know, a day or so after. But I see that and I always wonder, I'm like, how did that, how does that happen? You know, was it a fight between two people? Was somebody just drunkenly throwing it out of a passenger side window of a car? I don't know how that happens, man. A perfectly good meal in a bag from a fast food joint? Just landing on the street and spilling all over the place. Hmm. I don't know. Whew. Oh, this happened the other night, too. I woke up, um, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. And I get up early, bro. I get up. I was up at 4.45 a.m. I get up at 4.45. It must have been Tuesday. I get up at 4.45 a.m. on Tuesday. And uh, I go to the gym. I try to get there by 5. And I work out for a half hour before I come back home, walk the dog, etc., etc. But I'm up at 4.45. I go downstairs at 4.45 a.m. And I hear the dryer on. And I'm like, is somebody doing laundry? <laughs> it's, only, it's only myself, my wife... And our daughter in this house. And it's, I think to myself, it's possible, you know, it's possible that my wife got up early. Sometimes she'll get up really early. Sometimes she'll work an early shift and she'll be up before I am. And I thought, well, maybe my wife got up and she started some laundry. I go downstairs. The dryer is running. The last thing I remember, like going to bed the night before the dryer was running. I'm like, has a dryer run all night? I open the thing up. There's a few items in there. They belong to my daughter. And I look at the dial on the dryer, and it's set to heavy dry. I never set it to heavy dry. And I, I'm not sure if you have a dryer like this, but you know, on our dryer, 12 o'clock on the dial is heavy dry. Then to the right, it's a 10-minute increment. 70 minutes, 60 minutes, 50 minutes, etc. Okay. And I'll do, like, I'll set it for 40 minutes. Sometimes I'll set it for 60 minutes if, you know, if it's, uh, like, um, the comforter for our bed. That takes a while, you know. But uh, I never put it on heavy dry. 
So I thought maybe my daughter sets it on heavy dry and maybe when you set it for heavy dry, it just runs and runs. But I thought, first of all, that's like a huge fire hazard. And second of all, what a waste of electricity. And third of all, that's going to destroy your clothes. Imagine your clothes like tumbling around in hot air in a metal barrel for what? What was amounted to probably over 12 hours at that point. <laughs> you know? So I, I shut it off and uh, I thought to myself, don't freak out, Andy. I said, why don't you, why don't you, what would you, what would, what should we do in this, this situation? I asked myself as a parent, as a person, as a father, I thought uh, I'll write a nice text message and, and I'll be gentle. So I did. I'll tell you exactly what I wrote. Hang on one moment. Let me pull it up here. Just so you know, I'm not a jerk. <laughs> but yeah, I wrote a nice text message to my daughter. I said, the dryer was running when I woke up at 445 this morning. It was set on heavy dry. I think if you set it at heavy dry, it just runs and runs. I think it ran all night. This is bad for two reasons. It will destroy your clothes from them tumbling around all night, and it will use a ton of electricity and could eventually start a fire. Please be mindful in the future. You had a very small amount of items in the dryer. It doesn't need to go for that much time. Okay? Now, that was 4.54 a.m. Obviously, I wasn't going to wake my daughter up at that ungodly hour that I just happened to be awake at. So I got a text message from her when she woke up. I'm sorry, Dad. I didn't realize... If you put it on heavy dry, it runs all the time. I thought it would stop on its own like it usually does. I had no idea. Thank you for letting me know. Great. Well, when my wife wakes up later on that morning, after I've gone to the gym, after I've walked the dog and I'm making myself breakfast, and I say, uh, I say to her, I said, hey, um, I said the dryer was on all night. It was set on heavy dry. And she said, well, there must be something wrong with the dryer then. It's not, it's, it, you know, I don't know why it was stuck on heavy dry. And I said, I, I think you're missing the point, dear. It, it, it could very well have started a fire. And she said, don't start an argument with me at this hour. <laughs> so I, said, I said, I'm not trying to start an argument. Uh, okay, all right, all right. So I find out, my wife tells me, no, Andy, I always put the dryer at heavy dry. And it goes, and it goes slowly down. So, in experimenting, I think I set the dryer at like 20 minutes the next time I did a load this week. And yeah, it didn't budge after 20 minutes. So now what we have to do is we have to... <laughs> so basically, the, the dryer timer is not moving. Is this boring? This must be boring. <laughs> this must be boring. I don't have a lot to talk about. Let me, let me play something for you. Let's, let's move on here and, and, and I'll... And I'll, I'll, I'll try to entertain you. R regardless, my dryer's broken. But it's not so broken that that I, uh, that I can't use it. Oh, stop talking. Hang on one moment, everybody. One moment. One moment. One moment. All right, come on. Let's get into it now. Come on. Give me the change up. Whenever there's trouble, we'll the double. We'll love the pounder. If you've got the crime, we've got the time. Thank you, Bloodhound Gang. Yes, this is a little bit of a change up here. I wanted to play this for you. I didn't have much for you today. This is evident from me recording one, the show, so late. 
And two, uh, me talking about my dryer for ten minutes. Sorry about that. But I wanted to play this clip. This is uh, from a gentleman who calls himself Rogue Jaeger 5. And uh, he is ranting about people complaining about challenging art. I thought this was pretty good. Because there was this other other person on social media who was criticizing Doja Cat's latest music video and uh, complaining uh, about it. I guess this was a more... Shall we say a more religious person who was uh, believing that uh, Doja Cat had uh, gone to the dark darkness? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And this gentleman countered this kind of uh, Bible thumpers rhetoric by saying, you know, why challenging art is important. And I really, really liked what he had to say here. So when I play this clip, the beginning you're going to hear the, uh, the, the fella who, again, you'll hear a voice, and it's the fella who was critical of Doja Cat's latest work. And then it'll be followed up by a critique of that. So here it is. Check it out. Doja Cat just came out with a new music video, and it is one of the darkest things I've ever seen. It's one of the darkest things you've ever seen. People like you are the reason why we can't have, like, anything challenging anymore. Everybody always complains that everything is safe, and everything is generic, and there's no edge to anything anymore. mainstream artist puts out something that's a little bit edgy and you turn into my grandpa calling it the devil this is like a mindset that i thought was just gonna die off with boomers but it's like for the rest of our lives for the rest until the world explodes we're gonna have to deal with people calling anything that is slightly edgy the devil forever it's gonna happen i thought that was pretty good that was pretty insightful and again that guy calls himself Rogue Jaeger 5. And I'll spell that for you if you're interested in checking his stuff out. But I, I went through his his TikTok profile and his videos, and I really liked his um his thoughts on on popular culture. Rogue, obviously like a like a rogue wave, R-O-G-U-E. Jaeger, J-A-E-G-E-R, and the number five. If you want to check that fella out. Um but I thought that was pretty insightful. Anyway, uh, at this point, I am going to hand things off to our friend, Rachel from Des Moines. And she is going to give you the charge chat. So, without any further ado, take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week. I got some nice comments from Sherry, Jill, and Tavy. I got to hear and see some of the pics as videos on the VJ Big Suit Show and got feedback from host Andy himself, who remembered Oh Sheila, but not the British-accented spoken intro, and theorized DJs have been cutting that off. Well, boo to them in the past, but a yay to a Bob on IG, who kindly shares the show each week with a graphic on his stories. In the 70s chart this week, we are in August 20th of 1977. Elvis had left the building four days earlier, and his song Way Down had fallen out of the top 40 to number 47. However, in September, it would head back up the charts to a peak of number 18 on October 1st. By contrast, Way Down hit number one on the country charts on August 20th and number one in the UK on September 3rd. At number 95 is Make It With You by The Whispers. 
uh, down from a peak of 94. The Whispers are an R&B, soul, and vocal group originally from Los Angeles. For many years, they were a quintet, but are now down to a trio consisting of twin brothers group co-founders Wallace and Walter Scott with Lavelle Degree, who joined the group in 1973. They had their first single in 64 and started seeing chart success on R&B and pop in 1969 through the 70s and 80s with more hits and in higher positions on the R&B side. This is their cover of the Bread Original, which was that group's first charting single and only number one hit. I've liked The Whispers since I heard Rocksteady on the bus as a kid, so I was predisposed to like this cover. I've said it before, but I'm a sucker for those up-tempo disco-y covers as typified by the Dewey Cox variety show version of Walk Hard. Sliding even further into 70s cheese, at number 79 we have Heaven on the Seventh Floor by Paul Nicholas. That would make it to number six. This song kind of bridges the gap between Knock Three Times and Love in an Elevator. It also has heavy making it vibes with the hand claps. I looked up Paul Nicholas and he's one of those guys that's done a little bit of everything in showbiz, putting out pop singles, performing in musicals like Hair, Jesus Christ Superstar and Cats, appearing in films, becoming a theatrical producer and director, and appearing in BBC sitcoms and soaps. He even temporarily had a school for performing arts with his name on it. This was his only U.S. Top 40 hit, though a follow-up single, On the Strip, made number 67. You know a man's home is his castle, and number 66 is See You When I Get There by Lou Rawls, and that was a peak for this one, though it was a number 8 hit on the R&B chart. I'm always glad to hear Lou Rawls on the Hot 100. Such an amazing, distinctive voice. Uh, this song kind of puts me in mind of when someone says they could listen to someone read the phone book. The lyrics feel like it's just him making arrangements to meet up with his wife or partner after work. It almost reminds me of that Mr. Show sketch where Bob plays soul singer Larry Black, who is basically trying to schedule a night to get together with his lady. Uh, Lou Rawls is incredibly prolific. This is, a, from what I could tell on Wikipedia, this was like his 30th album. He recorded 17 albums between 62 and 69 alone and kept going into the 70s and 80s. He even had four albums in the 2000s. And as always, we must mention that he uh, performed the theme songs for many Garfield specials. And I learned that he also wrote a lot of those songs. At number 58 is one for the Righteous Gemstone fans, that is Daytime Friends by Kenny Rogers. That was a number 28 pop hit, as well as a U.S. and Canada country number one. This is the title track from Kenny Rogers' third album, and I was kind of surprised that was only his third in 77, but the first edition, his first band that you know from the song What Condition My Condition Was In, they were together until 76, and then he started making solo albums. And this one, Daytime Friends, also includes a cover of Desperado. Wikipedia quotes the songwriter Ben Peters from a Facebook post saying he got the idea for the song from then Nashville weatherman Pat Sajak saying the forecast called for quote daytime trends and nighttime showers but our old friend Citation Nated is there so who knows. At number 51 is Boogie Nights by the group Heatwave that make it all the way to number two. Uh, it was one of four songs kept from the top spot by You Light Up My Life in 77. I learned that from my Billboard book of number two singles. This was the third single off Heatwave's first album called Too Hot to Handle. It was the first to chart and their most successful single overall. It may be pretty well known, but I wanted to share it anyway in case some people know the movie but don't know there was also a song called that first. 
Uh, this one's very important to me. It just really takes me back to being in middle school, high school, listening to the 70s Saturday Night Show on Star 102.5 out of Des Moines uh, with my family, particularly in the summertime. Uh, this song was written by Heatwave group member Rod Temperton, who is known as a keyboardist and songwriter, and I learned that he had been recruited by Quincy Jones, and he went on to write many successful songs for Michael Jackson. A couple other interesting things about Boogie Nights. The harp intro was done by Sheila Bromberg, who bridged the classical and pop world. She was a member of the London Philharmonic, but also played harp on the Beatles' She's Leaving Home of Sgt. Pepper, as well as being part of the Top of the Pops Orchestra. American actor Clark Peters, who you know from film and television roles, notably The Wire and Treme, was living in London in the 70s to do theater, but he also had his own band and he was a session uh, backup singer and he has backup vocals on this song. Turning to the 80s, this week we're in 1980, and so we basically must have a song from the Xanadu soundtrack, and at number 91 is I'm Alive by ELO, that would make it to number 16. Um, there's a total of four songs from that soundtrack on the Hot 100 this week. All Over the World, Magic, and the title track. I'm Alive plays near the beginning of the film when a painting of the Nine Muses starts to come alive, including Olivia Newton-John as Kira, which is, seems to be a nickname for Terpsichore, the Muse of Dance. She and her sisters dance with joy and a neon glow surrounds them. I wouldn't necessarily think of dancing to ELO songs, but they totally make it work. The nine split up and move across the greater L.A. area until Kira meets a real human boy in Santa Monica and the plot kicks into gear. At number 87 is Good Morning Girl slash Stay a While by Journey. That makes it number 55. This is the third single off of Departure, their third album with Steve Perry in the group and sixth overall. According to Discogs, this is a medley of the two songs and Good Morning Girl had a short runtime of 144 and Stay A While 248, and that brings the total to, the total of the medley was 440, and the B-side was Line of Fire, which is another song off of Departure. All three are Steve Perry and Neil Sean compositions, who are the lead vocalist and lead guitarist at the time, respectively. Uh, Departure was the last album with founding member, keyboard player, and vocalist Greg Rowley. Uh, he had come over, you know, split from Santana with Neil Sean at the same time. And for me, I really prefer his sound to his replacement and just like everything that he brought to the band. Um, that three album run of Infinity Evolution Departure from 78 to 80 is not to be missed. At number 46 is You Better Run by Pat Benatar. That may get a few spots higher to 42. I was going to include this as a help in your future trivia competitions because it has the distinction of being the second video ever played on MTV after the Buggles video killed the radio star. But in researching it, I also learned that this was a cover originally written and released by the Young Rascals back in 66. In that year, there were also versions by an early Robert Plant group called Listen and the In-Betweens, which later became Slade. And then in 1980, in addition to Pat's version, there was also covers by female-fronted rock group Toronto and ex-KISS drummer Peter Chris. I have to say, I do not like it when a male vocalist is singing You Better Run, You Better Hide. It's too real. Female vocalists only for this one, in my opinion. And finally, from 1980, at number 30, we have a song called Tulsa Time by Eric Clapton, and that was the peak for this one. This song is an ode to the greatest time zone in the world, Central Time. 
It was written by Danny Flowers while he was snowed in while on tour with the Don Williams Band. It actually snowed in to Tulsa, and it says in September, so it must have been kind of a, a freak snowstorm kind of a situation. Later, after a gig in Nashville where Flowers and Don Williams had opened up for Eric Clapton, the three were hanging out in a hotel room, taking turns playing songs, and when the other two heard Flowers sing Tulsa Time, they both announced they wanted to record it. Williams' version was a huge country hit. It was number one on the country chart in U.S. and Canada. Clapton's was an album track and later became a single from his live 1980 album, Just One Night. But the Jokers at Sirius XM played the original studio version on the VJ Big 40 last week. Further proof they need to get me over there running things. If you absolutely can't stand Eric Clapton, which is a very valid opinion because he has a lot of extremely garbage views, there are tons of versions of Tulsa Time on Spotify, and you can tell the ones that were influenced by Don Williams' version and the ones that were influenced by his version. My favorite is a version by a Swedish musician called Mickey Muster. He's a keyboard-playing rocker in the tradition of Jerry Lee Lewis. Well, that's all from me this week. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. Awesome stuff, as always. This has been episode 295 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.